Thank you, everyone, for being with us again in this podcast brought to you by Nova. Uh, we are trying to find very interesting characters. This is, and this is a very good proof of that. We have Lisa O'Brien here with us. She is a producer and development consultant specializing in children's media. She has more than 25 years of experience creating TV and digital content for preschool through teen audiences and has worked across formats, including 2D, CG, and stop motion animation, live action scripted and unscripted. So Lisa, I'm, I bet you have a lot to tell us today. Please <laughs> talk to us about the power of storytelling. <laughs> well, first of all, thank you so much for asking me to be a part of this. Uh, I think it's wonderful to encourage other people to follow their dreams and tell their stories. And uh, uh, now more than ever, I think um, it is a uh, it's an important part of being human to to share and connect uh, with others through the power of storytelling. And so, yeah, I mean, my story is basically, I have always, um, wanted to work with kids ever since I was little, I came from a long line of teachers. And so I think that I just always had it in me to want to work with kids, to empower kids, to entertain kids. Um, and so, uh, I thought again, I was going to be a teacher and then I had a wonderful teacher in high school. Um, and it was a class, um, in media communications. And I, I kind of had a, an aha moment where I realized that maybe I could combine, uh, my love for wanting to teach kids with, um, the power of, of media and, uh, and work in, at first I thought educational television, which I have done some. And funnily enough, right now I'm, I'm back to doing a couple projects that, um, you know, take me back to my roots of educational storytelling. Um, but, uh, yeah, I just decided, you know, Hey, if I could do this, this would be a dream come true. And, I went to school in Canada and I got a broadcasting degree and then I, I set off uh, to make my dreams come true. And I, you know, I have to say that, you know, the odds were, were against me in a lot of ways, not just against me, but just against um, what children's television really wasn't a thing in Canada when I started and wanted to do what I wanted, what I ended up doing and what I'm continuing to do. But I just had a vision and I had something in my heart that I had to follow. And so nothing would really stop me. I just kept going and going. So I guess, you know, the very first thing that I'd like to say to people listening is, is that, you know, if you have that dream and you have that vision and you have that passion for wanting to, you know, share, uh, you know, a story or stories or content or what you have in, you know, in your imagination with others, just to not give up no matter what, just know that, you know, um, you have the ability to make any kind of dream come true. You know, it's a, a, I think we forget that we have a, a very special power within us. And some people call it creative visualization and other people call it tenacity. I think it's a little bit of everything. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I think if you have that vision inside yourself, then it, then there, there's a reason for it to be there. And I think you need to do what you can to, to express it to the world. So wow. yeah, worked in children's television for 30 years and, I feel like it's been nothing but, you know, uh, a, I, I'm not going to say all joy. There have been struggles. There have been difficulties. There have been challenges. But I think that uh, at the end of the day, you know, if you can do what you love to do for a living, then, then you know, you've won the lottery. <laughs> Great. So you're not in Canada right now. 
What are you? No, I'm not. I'm a, I am Canadian. Um, my husband and I, my husband's a composer um, in film and television. And we moved, we met when I hired him um, to write music for a project that I did uh, many years ago, uh, a self-esteem body image video for the schools. Um, and it sold to a Canadian uh, broadcaster called YTV. And I oh, hired so, him. Excuse me. Was it something like, you want to keep the, if you want to keep your contract, you have to marry me. <laughs> I always say he really scored. <laughs> I hired him to score and he really scored. <laughs> no. Um, uh, no, I met him, uh, you know, in a working relationship. And then uh, and then he told me he wanted to move to Los Angeles. And uh, we this is where we ended up. So we've been here for 27 years. And and in that time, I've been very lucky. I've I've worked for a lot of the big companies I've worked for, uh, Disney and NBC Universal Kids, and I helped to create creatively uh, build a channel called Sprout for preschoolers. And I've worked at the Jim Henson Company, and uh, um, I've worked at Fox Kids, and so a lot of the you know a lot of the big um, broadcasting companies that uh, I know everything's kind of moving towards streaming now. But at the time, um, a lot of these companies had a mandate to fulfill in terms of kids blocks and kids content. And so um, uh, I was lucky enough to be to be around and 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 help out. Um, and the last job that I did with the corporation was with Warner Brothers, uh, wow. now Warner Brothers Discovery. And I helped to work with the team there to build their slate of preschool programming for a block called Cartonito. So it's, uh, it's been fun. It's, it's been a long career. Yes, it absolutely has. It's been jam packed. And, uh, you know, what I love about the kids business is it, it may not be as lucrative as some of the, of the other. I mean, some people do win the jackpot. You know, there are some shows that break out, Barney being one of them, you know, there are some shows that break out and become like a huge, massive hit. Um, but for the most part, people that are working in children's television are doing it because they really want to entertain, educate, stimulate um, kids. And uh, and so that's a, it's a nice business to be in because of that, you know. So Lisa, in regards to kids, and now we're talking about the children content, what type of content are children consuming nowadays, like right now, that can be a great guide for future animated shows? Yeah, well, I think that, um, I think animation will always be around. I think it is, I mean, it was the one um, you know, it, it's pretty hardy because, you know, during COVID, uh, it was the one business that just kept on going because everybody, a lot of animation companies figured out ways to do the work from home, um, which is amazing because the infrastructure itself of trying to figure out how to take all of your animators and all of your, um, you know, all, all of the equipment and the, and the, and the, um, pipelines and, and, and all the organization that goes into making an animated show and figure out how to streamline that. So, so that, um, you know, so that animators and creators could all do it from various places from home was amazing. So it didn't slow down. If it, if anything, I think it sped up a little bit doing animated shows. Um, so I do think that animation is always going to be popular, um, whether it's for preschool or older kids. Usually preschool shows are shorter in form format. Um, they're usually anywhere from, you know, five to 11 minutes. Uh, whereas a lot of older kids shows are more like a 22 minute, you know, format. Um, but a lot of that is changing now with the with 
you know, with the, with the love that kids are having towards going, you know, on YouTube, particularly younger kids with the success of brands like Coco Melon, um, where, you know, there's short shows that kids can sort of stream and, and watch several at a time. I don't think that there's any one format anymore, um, as far as like what kids gravitate towards, but I do think that, um, something that is, um, interesting uh is that a lot of kids do consume their media through like youtube through digital formats um which is nice because it's kind of open to everyone you know there isn't mm -hmm. you know um but uh but i think what's really interesting right now is that it seems there seems to be a trend towards instead of those short little bits packaging them now almost going back to the linear form of of, of storytelling and packaging them um, you know, maybe if they're, for instance, little short uh, songs, packaging them in a format so that there's a story that's wrapped around that that kids can enjoy so they can kind of have a bit of both. Um, I think that good storytelling will always break out for kids. I think that um, characters that are lovable and, and and truly understanding the audience, because a lot of times, especially when, when my, you know, in my career, when I was um, buying shows and I was in a more of an executive function, uh, a lot of times people would come in and they'd pitch ideas for shows and they wouldn't really know uh, what the age range was. They would say, oh, it's for kids. But the thing about kids is that they, they grow so quickly. So a show that is perfect for a two to four year old early preschool wouldn't be appropriate necessarily for a four to six year old. So if you're, you know, just in the preschool genre alone, you've got sort of really two age groups, maybe even three, if you, if you want to start to entertain them at, you know, <laughs> when they're still babies, <laughs> um, you know, and you do see that you see a lot of times, you know, kids, little ones, really little ones watching screens, um, those are obviously, for the most part, you know, nonverbal, very musically led, whereas, you know, early, early preschool, very simple, simple story, simple characters, um, bright colors, uh, you know, I'm going back to, you know, Coco Melon being such a success, you know, that it's easily, you're easily captivated by it, songs that kids know at that age not complicated um, storylines. And then when they start to get into the more four to six, you can get into more complex storytelling. You can get into multi-layered genres. Um, for instance, something like a Blue's Clues, which is such a brilliant show um, where kids can kind of play along and really feel like they're part of it. Um, you can introduce more complexity in the storytelling, more characters, more uh, of an arc, um, maybe mm -hmm. even an AB story, a lot of times an AB story, which means you've got your main story that you're, you, you know, that you're telling, and then you've got sort of an underlying B story from a character that may not be the main story that you're telling. And, and, and I think that's really, um, good to know because they, you know, kids, kids grow and they become much more, you know, um, demanding of different content, right? Exactly. They want more conflict and they want a bigger hook. Um, more drama. More drama. Um, so, yeah, there's a couple of different ways that you can. What, what about the ages of seven through <laughs> 10, seven through nine? So once you start to get into that age range, you're really looking at kids who are they love silliness. They love quirkiness. Uh, they like to have especially the boys. They like to have a lot of action. Mm 
um, they they can really kind of um, grasp and understand uh, a lot more complexity um, and nuances in the characters. Um, there's they they want more of a hook. They want to know kind of right off the top, like you know, I mean, all storytelling really is like a hero. <laughs> overcoming an obstacle exactly. Uh, mm -hmm. and so at that age uh, uh you can have like uh a little bit more of a complicated nuanced hero someone who may not be perfectly perfect it may not be clear at first that they are heroes because they are going through a challenge so you can show a little bit more of the qualities that go into it, it seems like i mean it's incredible to have someone that was on the other side of the bench i mean you were you were actually looking at hearing pictures taking your time to decide which story which which promoter which uh, creative person which per, which people would you choose you know in order to yes. fulfill the needs of the company and yeah. the company of course might be just making a, a very precise overview of the market in order to you know be successful yes. so what about why don't you tell us What do you take? Give us your take on Bibles. What's a Bible in a TV series? And, and, and what's a successful winning Bible? So what typically happens, and again, this is my experience um, in the in the kids' realm. Um, it may not be everybody's experience um, who's you know buying or hearing pitches, but in the kids' realm, what happens is is that you um You attend markets and you go to these various functions and you share, usually to a lot of people, you sort of share, you know, maybe you're on a conference, you know, panel, you share what you're looking for from a brand perspective for your particular channel or streaming service. You kind of share, oh, we really need shows that are from, you know, two to three or two to four. And we're looking for animated shows with a strong boy lead or, um, okay, we're really looking for shows that are unscripted. We want to do reality-based games or game shows or reality-based shows for, you know, six to six to 10, six to nine, you know, so you're you, usually just from um, being in meetings, meeting, you know, I always say everybody that's at the level even of buying has many, many, many layers ahead uh, on top of them that they have to actually sell to. So it's, it's very important for the person that is Uh, that you're pitching to for them to be able to grasp exactly what it is that you're selling and meaning the concept because they will internally if they like it or that they feel like after being in meetings and knowing what's missing and what they want to fill in their you know their block of programming they have to be able to very comfortably and confidently um, pitch it up uh, I would say up the food chain <laughs> um, and, and so so What what usually happens is that um, many times it's agents and managers will contact you and say, hey, my client has a series um, and it's a game show series uh, for six to nine year olds. Are you still interested in that genre and are and are you would are you available to take the pitch? So that that usually is like just to lead up to uh, and I will answer the question about the Bible, but that comes a little bit later. But it usually starts with what's you know what's called a pitch. And so um, sometimes when you're really super busy, you might say, uh, yeah, I, I, I'll listen to it. I'll hear it. But maybe you'll just do like a very quick, you know, 15 minute 
give me give me the top line tell me what it is who's involved you know um and if i'm interested i will take it to the next step and a lot of times for me um before covid and and after covid was you know come into the office and let's have an hour long usually an hour long meeting and so what happens in that hour long meeting is you know there's chit chat first, and this is the advice that I give to people that are going in for a pitch. There's usually a little bit of chit chat. How are how are you doing, and what's going on, and and then you're like, so what's your idea? And so what I always recommend is that the pitch be you know, and sometimes it means you have to work it, work it, practice it with other people, really understand it because what you have in your head and your imagination may not be super clear, even though you feel it is because it's in your mind. So it's really good to practice your pitch many, many, many times. And it, it, you know, it doesn't seem to change that what they call that elevator pitch. I do think it's still really an effective way to start a pitch so that you're what we call setting the table or what my boss uh, in the past used to say, setting the table. So right away, you get an idea. You say, okay, this is a show for six to nine year, year olds. And it's about three aliens that crash land. Uh, and I'm actually giving you a pitch for something um, that one of my favorite shows that we worked on called Flugels. They, you know, they crash land in the backyard of humans, you know, um, backyard, you know, uh, in a rocket ship. A child comes, hangs it up in the bedroom, and then these three aliens come down and uh, and they investigate how the humans live and they try and figure out what different things are. So it's a lot of comedy. There's a little bit of science there as they try and figure out like what's an ice cube or what's a popcorn maker or what's a whatever. And the humans can't see them Um but uh, you see it all from their perspective. So there's comedy, there's action, there's a little bit of science. And so you right away you go, oh, I, I okay, I'm, I'm getting it. And then, then you can proceed to kind of go into, here are the characters, here's the setting, here's a basic arc line, you know, here is, and you just give a snapshot enough to whet the appetite of whoever it is that you're selling so that you go, okay, I'm very clear on what that is. And then many times you leave, you either send, Certainly when you're at a, a a conference, if you're doing this pitch, like some people get meetings at these conferences, a lot of times it's best to say, I'll send you the materials later because if, you know, there, there used to be the day that I would carry around a, just a whole bag load of stuff and that's just too much. So it's best just to say, you know, if it's a conference you know, here's, here's, here's a one sheet or here's my information or here's a little like key thing and you can just put it in afterwards. Um, or I'm going to follow up with more information. And if you're in a, in in the room pitching, it's always great to sort of say, okay, well, would you like to see other materials? And a lot of times if the executive is interested, they'll say, yes, can you send me what you have? And at that point, it's really great if you have um, a little bit more than just the pitch that you pitched. And that gets into the Bible. So the Bible is really when you start to break down the show and a lot of detail. So when you go in for the pitch, it's not like, oh, I'm just going to do the pitch and then I'll figure out the Bible. What's awesome is if you've got it, the world pretty well figured out with room to, to grow and evolve, obviously. Um, and then you condense it into a pitch. Because if you try doing it the other way, what might help it happen is that the executive might start asking you questions. Oh, I really like this. So how do you see an episode working? And you're like, oh, I didn't really think of that. I just thought of like three pages of just like, you know, but I haven't really thought it through. 
And that's a bit of a tangle because what you want to be able to do is have like more to share so that when the executive hopefully says, yeah, I really like this idea. It seems like it's like for boys and that's what we're looking for. And it's animated and it's fun characters. And it's got like what I call spinach in the brownies, which there's some scientific stuff there, but it's funny. So yeah. Can you send me, you know, you know, can you send me more information? I'd love to see how an episode would work. Can you send me some synopses of how an episode would work? Can you just tell me a little bit more about how these characters interact with each other, what their relationship is with each other? And if you've got an executive interested, you really want to, in the next day or two, be able to send that to them. So, so yes, it does start with a pitch, but it's really good to have a Bible or even what we call a mini Bible, which is- So, so your pitch is like the gatekeeper and you have to work on your pitch really well yeah. be very confident yes. give little details and give them the taste and yeah, make exactly. them eager to hear more and see more that's that's what you're exactly. saying now why, why lisa why don't you tell us about some numbers for example i mean so many in latin america which is i mean many people will be watching this maybe someone has a very good idea and they 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 figure out a way to put a pitch together and put a bible together okay so in real terms, I have two questions. One is you mentioned a lot about boys. Mm-hmm. So it seems like the children's stories, there is this a tendency to have boys and girls, but you have to have the boy in the story. That's one question. Is it is that true? It's a great question. And I think it's a it's a it's an age-old debate in kids' television as to whether or not boys will watch something that has a girl lead or girls will watch something that has a boy lead. I think times have changed. I think things are a lot more in many ways and always fluid. And so I do think that, I mean, look at the success of Barbie right now. It's a billion dollar success story and it's only been out for a couple of weeks. That's a great example of a show that, you know, I I talked to my mom this morning and it was funny because she said, oh, it must be a success because mothers are taking their daughters. And I'm like, yeah. And I think dads are going to be taking their sons. And I think because it's a great story, it's really well told. It, it has something for everybody. And yes, Barbie is female-led and the Barbie dolls were female-led at one point, but they've managed to create a story that feels very um, humanistic, not, you know, it, it, it really is about like, you're enough as you are and celebrate being you and celebrate, you know, all that you have to offer, whether you're boy, girl, in between, doesn't matter. So, I think that that is changing. When I first started in the business, it was very much like, oh, you need to go to the you know toy store and look at the boys' toys and the girls' toys. Never the two shall meet. And if you've got something that's going to be a success, you can't have both. You can't have a show that appeals to both boys and girls. I think that's changed quite a bit. Okay. But I would say that you need to be clear when you go in who your main character is. And that doesn't mean... That's who the audience is going to be. But you have to be very clear to, you know, this is a series that has three leads or this is a series that has a family at the lead, like the series Bluey, that is such a massive success, is a massive success because the creator has kids, knows families, has a wonderful sense of humor, knows what it's like to try and be a dad and be like, you know, everything to the kids and always kind of, you know, messes up like most parents feel like they do, but still just wants to play and give love. It's a very clear agenda of what he was going after. If you ask me, what was the series Bluey about? In one word, you go play. 
so the more that you can be clear, like you can go in and say, this series is about curiosity, especially for younger kids. This series is about curiosity. It's so helpful for the person hearing it to get a good grasp on what they're going to expect when they see more material. So, um, you know, excellent. So uh, let me, let me ask you something, Lisa, how many times Mm -hmm. have you been listening to pitches Mm -hmm. and how many times those pitches or what percentage of those pitches went up the, the food chain? Um, I would say through my career, I've probably heard so far mm, about 500, maybe. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, a lot, a lot. I mean, when I used to go to the markets, um, and and I'm sure other people who go to the markets now can testify, like if you go to a kid's screen and get it, for example, my meetings would start usually at seven in the morning and end about 10 p.m. at night. Wow. And other than meals, which were a little longer, an hour, an hour and a half, a lot of times the um the meetings were a half hour each. So they would be very, very quick. Um, and then I would always um participate in something called uh 15-minute pitches where they literally had 15 minutes um to pit, you know, and so that would be. I think it would be two hours of 15 minute pitches. So those are really fast and different people coming in, you know, you'd sit at one table and everybody would come in for 15 minutes and be able to give their pitch. Truth be told, I always felt because a lot of times those people that would pitch in those 15 minute pitches, it was their first pitch. Truth be told, I would just get to know them a little bit and then I would schedule time afterwards, even though I wasn't supposed to probably, because I just felt like there's, it's just really hard to pitch something when you're new um you know to the to the business in 15 minutes i mean that's just uh, yeah, you know, it's a challenge it's a challenge, challenge. you got to be ready yeah 15 minutes Absolutely. very short period of time very very short if you're super experienced you know they always laugh they always talk about things like uh you know there's all kinds of um tales in hollywood about like rugrats being drawn on a napkin and right away the you know the buyer going oh i get it because it was just a quick sketch of kids in diapers from their perspective and that's rugrats you know so it was like oh i get it yes yes i love this you know <laughs> um but most of the time you have to you have to have a more thorough pitch the percentage is probably about three percent. Wow. Oh, wow! Three out of one hundred. Three out of one hundred. Oh yeah, e- easily. Three out of one. I mean, uh, yeah, easily. Uh, I mean, I, I, you know, it's a it's a very small percentage because of many things. I mean, I, you know, I, I say that, but then I don't want to discourage anybody because, um, you know miracles happen and you can't give up. And there were many times that people would pitch to me and they would pitch other idea, you know, constantly come back. And, and it was maybe the fourth or fifth pitch that I'd be like, I think this is going to work. And then we, you know, would, would, would move it up the food chain, but from pitch to actually like, you know, meetings and developing it and getting it into a place where it was ready to pitch to other levels of executives, you could get like, even 70% of the executives buying into it, but maybe someone at the very tippity top is like, I don't get it. I don't see it. Or, you know, it doesn't work for me. So it's it's very challenging both, you know, as a creator, yes, absolutely. But a creator has to also understand that who they're pitching to has many masters to serve. And so it takes a long time to 
sort of roll that ball up the hill and get it to a place. And usually they get it to a place where it goes into development. And then development is a process that can last anywhere from six months to years. But usually I'd say if it's a pretty solid idea, you can usually get it into and and during the development process and a lot of times you do get paid by the by the potential buyer uh, to go through development and it's in that development phase where you really take something that is maybe a mini bible and you expand it into a full bible so you you really look at what the characters are maybe you maybe as a buyer you ask for um art because a lot Mm -hmm. of times you may not have artwork you may just have and and I just want to say something to that effect is that it's expensive to try and get artwork done for an animated project. Sometimes you can just put a mood board together of things that kind of resemble it and what you're thinking so that when you do go into development, um, hopefully you'll get into development. You can then hire artists to really like flush it out and make but, it real. But is it, is it a good, is it an advantage to have very good art to put in in the, in, in the Bible? In it, the, the it, mini it, Bible, the micro Bible, so that's, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, definitely, definitely um, it's an advantage, but it is expensive. So I would say that if you've got a really solid pitch and a really solid mood board, meaning you've pulled from things that inspire you and what you're thinking, if the idea is really strong, a lot of times executives will be able to say, okay, yeah, I can see this, but, you know, I want to go further with it. And then they will, you know, hopefully give you development money so that you can hire a proper artist to take it to the next step. Oh, okay. So you say expensive uh, so that people can, you know, have a, a clear view of what you're trying to to share. How much money are you talking about when you talk about hire, hire artists to draw and make the <laughs> texturing and all that for, for, for the Bible? Well, it's funny because I'm gonna I'm gonna be a slightly sarcastic, and I don't mean to be, but I'm gonna say how long is a piece of string because it really depends. Is it CG characters? Is it 2D characters? Is it line characters? Is it stop motion characters? So it really it really depends. Um, but I will say that if you're trying to pitch something and you and you and you do something on the cheap and you do like a, you know like a a, a clip you know, we have somebody do a clip art that doesn't feel like it's really realized and it's, it's not really your vision. I think, I think you're, it's a mistake to do that. I think it's better to pull from things that really inspire you to say, this is what I want it to be. And once I get development money, I want to, you know, find the right artist to make it feel this rich and this compelling. I mean, it really depends. I'm talking about an independent producer who doesn't maybe have deep pockets. If you're somebody like a Mattel or something like a major toy company um, and you have an infrastructure and you have animators on board in-house and you're pitching to a broadcaster or a streaming service. Um, yeah, abs- absolutely. You can, you know, you can, you can afford to do something that feels really polished and nuanced, but if you're somebody that is, you know, an independent producer, you have a great idea, but you don't have deep pockets, I don't advise, you know, going going broke, putting together something that is really, you know, expensive because the if again, if the pitch isn't there, it's not there. I've seen many pitches that are hardcover, glossy, super complicated animation, and it's just not the right idea. And so whether or not they sold it to other people, I don't know, but 
I would have been able to tell them that it wasn't right based on just, you know, what the pitch was, what the, what the bones of the pitch, you know, um, uh, you know, what, what it was. Um, think of it like when you go into a restaurant and you see a menu, you have a pretty good idea if it's a good menu, the description of the food, and you have a pretty good idea of like, I'm going to try that, you know, pork loin with whatever, <laughs> based on the description of it, I'm going to give it a try. Now, whether or not you want to come back and you're going to give it a good review and what it depends on how it's actually, you know, pulled together you get a really strong idea if you're a well-trained executive and a lot of the, there's brilliant executives out there, you get a really good sense off the top of like, okay, I get what this is going to be. I get the team. The team's really important, who you want to put together, who you want to have, like help make this a reality. Um, but you get a really great sense. Um, and, and, and especially if you, you know, if you see some visuals, you get an aesthetic sense of like, oh, I, I get what Victor's taste is. Victor really likes quirky animation with a, a sense of da, 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 da. So I, I'm going to, I'm going to invest in Victor. I'm going to give him the money. And so they, a lot of them are looking for IP intellectual property that is based on something that they, they know, um, so that there's a less of a risk for them. So for instance, you know, and, and I think it's going to be even more so with the success of, of Barbie, because it's like, it already had a built-in audience. Everyone kind of knew what Barbie was. They took a genius turn with it and they made it into a brilliant movie, but I think that it was helpful. I know that I worked a little bit on the, um, on the next wave of Barney and that's coming out next. So I think wow. is like, Oh, well, Barney was a success in the past. Um, and everyone knows who Barney is and what the character is. Um, and so we're going to evolve Barbie and take it to the next level. Um, but it certainly um, made it easier for them to sell when I was at um, Cartoonito and Warner Brothers. I wasn't the one that brought it on board, but my boss did um, because I think that she saw, oh yeah, I mean, this is kind of a no-brainer no because we know that Barney is a lovable character and we know that the stories are going to be, you know, really, you know, I, we know exactly who that's for uh, and we know how it succeeded. So really the major lifting was like how to evolve it without losing the essence of who Barney was because it's now animated. It's not live action. So how do we make sure that the animated version of Barney really feels like Barney and how do we tell stories that feel like they're, they're not, they haven't been told before, but it fits in with the character of Barney. Do you know other festivals maybe in Canada or other festivals that for kids that you that we can the audience can also investigate to and go yeah, to. I mean in Canada there's um a really wonderful um Ottawa has a really wonderful animation festival in um in Ottawa is a province within Canada. And that is a great, uh, I think, animation festival. There's a television festival in Banff every year that's really great. Um you know, uh, it's not just kids, but there is a big um, kids component to it. Um, and uh, those are the two that just jump out at me. But um, honestly, I, I, I think all you really have to do is go online and do some research and just ask for, you know, top kids conferences, top kids animation festivals, top kids uh, organizations. Um, and, and, and it really varies. I mean, there's a, a, a massive, massive, um, kids component, kids storytelling, compo um, organizations 
many organizations in um, the UK um, that uh, that support um, uh, uh, you know the 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 kids industry. Um, they have uh, various festivals that they throw as well for both animation, live action, combination of both. Um, so I think it's sometimes it's just a little bit of digging into like sort of, you know, doing some. But I, but I, I, I just think Kids Screen is one of the best overall because it does cover children's media um, from, you know, from many, whole, many. Yeah. Different, yeah, as a whole. Exactly. As exactly. What about um, IP protection, uh, Lisa? Do you recommend that for anyone that wants to pitch that? Oh, yeah. Their idea? It is a great question. Um, I think that that's why a lot of the bigger organizations, like the bigger, uh, you know, streaming services, and and they don't like to take unsolicited pitches. They want it to come through either a manager or an agent because then they know that it's protected on both sides. Um, there were many, many times that I would hear a pitch and I would have to stop someone and say, I have to tell you, I've heard this pitch before. Um, it's in development. I just need to be straight up right now. I know it seems crazy, but sometimes that does happen. Sometimes there is a dinosaur idea that comes to me and I'm like, I just heard that pitch. Like, And there's no duplicity there. Um, it's just, uh, um, you know, it's not, it's not anyone. It, it happened in two places at the same time. That's, that's it happened in two places at the same time. Exactly. And, and, and it, it's, it, it's uncanny because sometimes it's like to the T. So I always like, you know, you know, usually stop and say, I've already, you know, it's just so that they don't think, oh, I pitched it to her. Now it's on the air. I'll let people know right away. You know, we, we actually have something in development that's similar to this. Um, and I think most executives would do that. Uh, I do think at the very least, if you don't have a manager or an agent and, and you want to take your idea out there, it's good to um, register it. And I think every country works in a different way, but you can just literally Google how to register your intellectual property and you'll find out the way to do that. You know, your voice is very unique to anyone else's voice. And the way that you're going to tell that story is going to be so different than the way someone else is going to tell that story. And that's not to say that there aren't some sometimes out there shady people who say, oh, gee, a singing dinosaur. That's a great idea. OK, I'm not I'm not going to buy your I'm not going to buy your idea, but I'm going to go off and make my own singing dinosaur show or I'm going to I'm going to pitch it internally as though it's my own. I guess there are some people in, in you know, out there that would do that. But I think most people who are at the level of that that are going to buy shows have, you know, integrity and and uh, and wouldn't and wouldn't and wouldn't do that. You know, Great. But, Lisa, we haven't heard any 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 services that you provide. Are you active as a consultancy? Yeah, yeah. So yes, absolutely. So I um I uh my last corporate job was uh the end of last year, and um it was it was uh, um a, a merger happened between Discovery and Warner Brothers, and so um that that wrapped up my two years there but um i was a creative consultant and so i continue to be a creative consultant i i i think my specialty is definitely preschool even though i have done older kids and and uh i uh had just finished uh, i did a, a series with um cartoon saloon 
in um, Ireland in terms of them bringing me in and looking at scripts and Bibles and helping to make it more sort of, you know, hopefully saleable to America, you know, do, do, doing the best I can. Other times I'll come in and there'll be a seed of an idea and somebody wants to put together a pitch. And so I really help them by asking a lot of questions and working with them. And, and I'm I'm a writer, so I'll, I'll kind of help them develop their pitch into something that is a mini Bible. Um, and right now I'm working on a really fantastic series called um, uh, <laughs> Future Chicken, um, which is a, uh, a um, uh, what's called a metaverse, which means it is a, a YouTube series. It's a Roblox game and it's a podcast. And, and it's all based on the concept of a chicken, an animated chicken from the year 2050, who with a group of friends um, that live on this in this bio on this bio barn um, are coming at you from 2050 to tell you all the amazing things that are happening in the future because of all the steps that you made today um, to take care of the environment. So it's a very uh, planet great. positive um project which i'm super proud to be helping out on so i'm i'm doing research for them i'm doing writing for them um and helping them to organize some of the of the kids that they're going to be um interviewing that are doing awesome things for the planet so yes i am uh i'm absolutely happy to help anyone especially from other countries that want to figure out like how do i tell how do i make the seed of an idea into a, an actual pitch <laughs> Great, right. great, great. So that's that's uh, that's a good uh, a good piece of information for everybody, Stephanie. Oh, Lisa totally. can, will be um, will have to share her information if she if she agrees. Absolutely. So that uh, anyone that has a what the needs of a page, a Bible, or a project can reach Lisa. So Lisa, we're getting to the the end of the podcast. It's been an honor. We are mm -hmm. very pleased that you were with us. You have a lot of information. It seems like. Those three decades uh, packed into 53 minutes is not enough. Maybe we can do that in, in, in the near future. So why don't you tell us um, and share with us a final thoughts for all those professionals and people that have those amazing ideas or would like to, you know, go the next step in the in this industry? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, I think uh, what I said at the beginning, I'm going to close with at the end is that, you know, dreams happen for a reason. There's a reason why you have that seed of the idea inside of you. And I do think that, you know, it, it, it's very easy sometimes to look outside yourself and think, oh, I'm in this small town or I'm in this, you know, I'm in this I'm in this, you know, it's just me and a, a, a computer or me and a laptop or me and a typewriter. Who am I to dot, dot, dot. Just fight those those negative thoughts because I think that um, those dreams are in you for a reason and those stories are in you for a reason. And 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 just getting them out on, a, on the page is like a, an amazing journey that is, I think, um, something that's rich in itself. And then I do believe that, you know, you work hard enough research watch shows uh, the internet's an amazing thing um and i know there's conflicting ideas about ai but there's also some good things about ai in terms of researching and finding out what's out there what's happening and if you're working you know if your content is for kids really get to know kids like whether it's um you know whether it's watching what they're what's what's popular for them or you know if you have you know 
friends or kids of your own or whatever, you know, watch how they behave, read about the curriculum and what a two to three year old watches versus a seven to nine year old, what they're able to kind of comprehend, get to know your audience always um, and never, never, never give up on your dreams.